fellow insomniacs be a part of Northern California's special effects makeup and horror culture convention, the Sinister Creature Con, October 14th and 15th, Scottish Rite Center in Sacramento, California. Children 10 and under are free, $20 for the Saturday pass, $15 for the Sunday pass, or get the entire weekend for $25. Featured guests include Daniel Harrison, George P. Wilbur, Marky Ramone, the WWE's Lita, Nightmare on Elm Street 2's Mark Patton and Ken Myers, Jason Baldwin, Garrett Graham, Jack Frost, Scott McDonald, Leslie Vernon, as well as the stars from the hit stars TV show, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Dana DeLorenzo, Ray Santiago, and Ted Rainey. Also featuring a cosplay competition, makeup workshops, panels, and so much more. Tickets are available at SinisterCreatureCon.com. What are you doing? Go to Sinister Creature Con, October 14th and 15th at the Scottish Rite Center. Be there. Geeks of the Industry Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily a We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next... Features, a horror discussion from geeksoftheindustry.com. And now your host, Chunky Larry. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to a very special edition of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and when I was a 15-year-old boy, I bought a movie from Suncoast Video, and, and horror fans will know that at that time, Suncoast was the be-all and all for uh, home video collections, and in the sense that they had a, a horror section that really just covered all of the bases, and I had started to uh, familiarize myself with the work of Dario Argento, and it was based on his name being at the top of the film uh, on the on the cover art that really drew my attention to this movie. And it is a movie that has, since the first time I've seen it, been a go-to for me that just absolutely has captured my imagination and I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to sit with anyone from 
the cast, and I have that rare honor today. I'm going to be talking with an actress whose career has spanned uh, decades and worked with some of the greatest filmmakers in the history of Italian cinema. Uh, this is just a, a thrill and an honor to say, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Geretta Geretta. How you doing? Hey, Chuck and Larry, how you doing? <laughs> I'm so fantastic. And uh, <laughs> when... That the sound of my phone dropping. Brand new phone. I've had... This is an aside, everyone, to what horror world is like at home. <laughs> my other phone, I got caught. At, I don't know when this will air, but there was a hurricane, Hurricane Irma. Mm -hmm. I had just done Shock Stock in... Uh, Shaka Khan, actually. Shaka Khan in West Virginia. <laughs> I got caught five days between airports and a bus station whose name will not be mentioned where my iPhone 7 was stolen. I have since had to buy a new phone. I've only had it two weeks. And you've already dropped it. I've already it. dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> Jesus, and that in the toilet? The Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a little thing. I tend to do it almost every show. I've lost two cell phones at, um, oh, the big, uh, the big anime in Florida, the big horror anime show in Florida, and they, they invite me all the time. I stop going because I keep dropping cell phones in their toilet. Like, so, have, have you thought maybe thing. keep it in your purse when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> Because I'm at a con, right? <laughs> Everyone wants a selfie. I slip back the phone in my back pocket. Uh, this is not, don't worry if there's kids in the room. This isn't going anywhere, but I'm a girl. So yes. I pull my pants down. When I pull my pants down, guess where the phone goes? <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> and, and now, now that makes perfect sense. I thought you were just like playing Animal Farm or something while, <laughs> while you're doing your business. Well, like, no. uh, let me check my Facebook. My... <laughs> well, let me... I thought I cleared that up. No, I'm really not <laughs> on the toilet. <laughs> uh, and sometimes, uh, you know. You don't know how long you're going to be, so you but do actually, take your phone to the Larry, bathroom. Larry, think about this. So if Demons was made today and not as many years as it was before, when she goes to the bathroom, remember, after she scratches her face, she would have been standing there checking her cell phone when her, her face exploded. Think about it. Or she could have been, instead of going to the bathroom, just using the selfie option to look at her cheek. I'm just saying, you know, that maybe oh, no. it would have exploded right there in the theater. Nah, nah, it still would have been me. And no, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I would have checked a zit in front of everybody in the theater with the selfie. No, that's, that's Thank you. Always a lady. I may be you just a take a quick snap a on the slide and do the little zoom. No, watching way too many <laughs> movies. Yeah, they don't have another location, so somebody checks their face on, on the chair in the theater. No. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> uh, so, I know that you were born in Portland, Oregon, and that's kind of where you grew up, right? Yeah, yeah. How does, and it's where I grew up, more or less. How does a young African-American woman born in Portland, Oregon end up on the set of an Italian horror film? That, that's well, that's a really interesting like transition. <laughs> oh no, I have a much better transition. I'm old enough that I was born a colored girl, 
and then I was a mm. Negro girl, and then I liked the period when we were blacks, which isn't the skin color, by the way. That's a pet peeve of mine, all you writers. Black is a political group in the United States, therefore capital B. When you're saying a black person with a, with a small b, that indicates color. Don't do that. So anyway, I liked when after we went from Negro to be calling black, and then after that I jumped to being African American. As an African American young girl, I went to New York at about 17 and started auditioning and going to um, acting school. A thing that happened was... Um, John Lennon, and yes, he was still alive. John Lennon's first wife, May Pang, that's actually the first wife because I think he had a Brit wife, but one of his earlier wives, mm -hmm. May Pang, had a tell book that the Italian Arts Council, I have no idea how they were all involved. Anyway, were either throwing the party or were involved in the launch. I um, went to it, I was there, and I guess I was dancing crazy. <laughs> I, guess I was doing the pogo or something. But some, um, some people that own a modeling agency in Italy saw me and they sent for me. So my first trip to, to Italy was as a model and my first city was Venezia. And then I liked it so much after that little gig was over, I determined to figure out a way to get over there, but not really thinking as an actress. I applied for film school. I applied for uh, Cento Sperimentale, the Cinematografia, which is where just about anybody that you've ever heard of um, went to film school, especially um, cinematographers, directors, etc. And uh, I, I applied by the first two parts of the examination was written form, and I got a, a literally a telegram, and I had to run to the pizza shop nearby me um, on the Upper East Side of New York to get it translated because I didn't speak fluent Italian yet. And um, it said, please come for a personal interview. And so I scrambled everything I could together, and at this time you still could travel with a one-way ticket. Um, and I, I managed to have a one-way ticket and a couple hundred dollars and I flew to Italy. The minute I got there, I went to a party and this is the true story. Um, well, they're all true stories. I hate when people say that. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> but anyway, this um, next one though might be a lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a writer, so little word games like that always always uh, catch me up. So anyway, um, Alberto Latuada, Fellini, Rossellini, one of the Rossellinis, um, just I think Pulci was there, Antonioni was there. It was this amazing party for all these Italian filmmakers uh, and directors, and they all rushed over to me. I mean, I was the new girl in town, and, and they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to direct. And you could just see the, the crowd disperse. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, oh. I always said the wrong thing at the right time. Always. I mean, that's that's... I, I probably would have been in a, even more movies had I only started out as an actor first but no 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 I went there to direct I did my interview it was such a mishmash of uh, high school Spanish and made up Italian a little bit Italian when I knew from home they said look why don't you do us all a favor why don't you stay here in Italy for three months improve your Italian and come back and see us in September and we'll try and find a spot for you because by the way I was not accepted now I've gone there with a one-way ticket I got probably enough money to last a couple weeks and I'm like oh no oh my gosh what am I gonna do and um, some people that there's some people that actually knew me from the Italian um, Arts Council in New York, got me connected with a theater group, 
in Rome, and it was the Mame Perlini, who, uh, for people who know Italian avant-garde, he's like the big, he's as big as Dario in theater. Mm -hmm. And he was doing really unusual, um, different kind of theater. Another theater group was called Fossil Movimento in, um, oh, I'm gonna just, now his name just popped out of my, uh, um, Ah, just popped out of my head, it'll come back. Another friend of mine is a really big actor now. He was in that theater group and I went backstage, Tomas, Tomas Arana. And probably most Americans say Thomas Arana, but it's Tomas Arana. He's in Gladiator, he's the guy, he's in um, all the Bourne identities. He's always the other guy, mm. the other bad guy. And he's in everything. We were all kids, we were all kids together in Rome. And I just sort of um, worked my way up the food chain, literally from theater and then the small parts. I think my first part that first summer I was there was um, the girl I play. I don't even think she has a name. The girl I play in Texas Gladiators 20, uh, 2020 Texas Gladiators. Yeah. Is that yeah. it? Is that the yeah. name? Glad Is that the name? Yeah. It's Texas Gladiator Gladiatori 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, D'Amato, which yeah. It, it, yeah. that's, if for that being the first thing you work on, to work on a Diamato film is just phenomenal, and it and it sets this this trajectory of you working with just some of the most iconic filmmakers in. Yeah, in it was a good period. It was a ten year period, and I, I I hit him and hit him good. George is it George Eastman? If you look on the credit there, there's two directors, and he's actually the tall guy that played Apollo in early Star Trek on television. Yeah, George he, Eastman. George Eastman, yeah, he directed. And I mean, he was just big. He went, my God, he still looked great. And I also met Brett Halsey, I think, on that, who had been the early Hercules or something. And I, and I think he was 70 or 80, and he would um, he would do push-ups or show us what he could lift. <laughs> These things are insane. Here's I've told these stories in person, but for people listening, on that movie, Texas Gladiatori um, 2020, Michele Suave, who goes on to be mm -hmm. the director in his own right, he was the third AD. He might have even just been the fourth AD as assistant director. Um, he might have been the fourth assistant director, and all he got to direct were the extras. So I had, I mean, I don't think I have any lines. I might have one or two. But he actually directed us a small, small part. Um, I think is Sabrina Siani in that one? Yeah. And I think he directed us. So it's I really got to meet him and know him, and it will continue because we will all go up together at the same time. By the time I do Demons, he was the first assistant director within yeah, four Michele years. Yeah, is also uh, the one with the uh, half mask. Yeah, he's he he's the he has the half mask and he plays that character. But as soon as he takes the mask off, he is Lamberto's um, first AD, and he also works with Dario. I mean, that's an amazing trajectory. As as is mine when you when you think all I did in one movie was you know wear a short skirt and get shot in the chest and yeah. then by the and within what four years i'm i'm one of the leads you know i won't say star because my name's not in the building as a star but i'm definitely one of the leads with uh dario and lamberto and uh, you know you also have this run of uh post-apocalyptic uh yes, films sure. that are just tremendous and uh the, the one that i that i really want to talk about uh and uh i covered it last month uh during uh, Schlocktember was uh, Rats Night of Terror. It's just 
It's just one of the most special fucking movies in the world to me. And it was it's one of those movies that I've always kind of heard of, but I hadn't really seen until Oh really? Oh dude. Blew me away. And uh if if anybody's interested, by all means go back and listen to that episode because you can hear just my giddiness about the film. It's it's so much fun and uh, being being a half black man myself uh, when you have the scene as chocolate where you're covered in flour and you, I'm white now, y'all. <laughs> it's like it tickled me so much, and it's just it's a, it's a lot of fucking fun, and it's it, it's you know you working with Matei, and it is Matei, correct? Because that was a that was a point of contention with me and uh, my buddy Punk, who uh, I did the show. It's It's Matei. Yeah, a lot of people want to say Matai, and I just I, know. Eh, I think it's Matai. Well, here's a, here's a uh, um, Italian uh, 101. When you see an E, because it's, it's spelled M-A-T-T-E-I, E is pronounced as A, not the A sound, the actual letter A. So, Matai. And um, uh, Fergasso was a part of that as well, correct? Oh, yeah, he was the... Uh, he was the first, uh, he was uh, Bruno's assistant director, and he also was um, very involved and very creative in the sets, uh, the set uh, setups. He wrote scenes and he wrote many scenes. I know there's this, there's this back and forth that he really directed the movie, but no way. I mean, Bruno directed that movie, but the two of them definitely worked as a team. And you, you see kind of Bruno's, you know, visual style kind of play out in that film. Which I'm, I'm like, uh, and if you go back and look at the two people's work, I mean, Claudio has a style that's definitely his own, and you can see Bruno's style. I mean, who would put rubber racks on a on a, on a, on a conveyor on a, belt? On a conveyor belt. <laughs> yes. Come on, come on. That is straight up a man who never got the budget that he wanted, and then every time he didn't have enough, he would make do, and then the next time he didn't have enough, he would make do. I mean. That is that is the style. It isn't. He always wished he would have gotten the budgets to do what he really wanted to do. But he was um, not angry about it, not bitter about it. It was what it was. You make one, you make another. You know, it was, they made so many movies, and I tell people all the time. I'm in movies. I don't even remember the names of them. There were so many. You just got in the car, you showed up. You got in the car, you showed up. And there were lots of them. I never read the whole script. I only looked for where was my part. I'm not saying I was the most dedicated. You know, you know, you, you all talk about these movies now, but it's a, it's part of a slew of them I did over, you know, a long period of time. And like I'm in comedy. I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of other stuff. I'm in a movie called Buy and Sell. You ever seen that? You ever I, heard of that? I have not. Well, here's one for you. You're, you're a trivia person. Remember the um, African-American or black man that um, used to do all the sounds? Michael Winslow? Yes, Michael here? Winslow. Yeah, it's me. I play his girlfriend. It's a really cute... And uh, Frank Cablons is the producer. Um, it's a real, I think he directed it, too. It's a really cute story. So a bunch of guys... In, no, I think Stuart Margolian um, directed it. I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> it's this cute story. A bunch of guys get set up in prison, and they run a um, what's that? Uh, a Wall Street from prison. So get it? Buy in sell. C E L L. Buy yes. and sell. Very yeah. clever. I, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna give that one a watch after this uh, yeah. interview. So yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Uh, I I wanted to stay with Matei just for a little bit longer. You can stay with him as long as you want. I adore. Well, yeah. I, so I know that you worked with him a couple of times. 
Uh, you know, you worked with him on uh, Shocking Dark and yep. a couple other films. But how did that relationship come to be? Was it just, you know, you being a working actress in Italy, you, you go onto these sets and, you know, you're kind of casted? Or was there like a, a getting to know you kind of moment? Well, I don't, I, I don't understand the question. So is the question, oh, you getting to know we Matei, how did you, how did that relationship you begin? Going, because you guys work together a lot. No, no, you, you go on an audition, you go on an audition. I mean, there are times when in an actor's career, maybe someone will write something for you or mm -hmm. there's a movie that um, people know you. There's two kind of different, there's two things in Italy that is called um, una cena di lavoro. And that's a, a, you go to dinner to talk about work. And that's, that's way farther up the food than I was. That's somebody who already has a name and maybe someone takes them to dinner to ask them would they be in this movie or would they consider this or it's a little bit more for television which I also did a lot of television in, the, in Italy. But where I was, it's just like being an actor here. I had, you have an agent, your agent mm -hmm. called you and you have an audition at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock and you show up and not as much as here where you're going to walk into a room and there's a hundred people that look just like you which never happened to me. I was never the blonde ingenue. Um, people always go Oh, acting must be so hard. It's so competitive. And I go, really? It isn't because there's only one, whoever you are, there's only your face. A whole bunch of other people might show up, but that's the face. That, if you got cast, that's the face they're looking for. So it's not really competitive in that sense. You go to the audition. If in Italy, they don't really have you do things. And they were very curious about that process. Um, and they would uh, ask me about it. Italy of today, people do go in and do little bits, but at the that time you were primarily cast from a photograph mm -hmm. and you would walk into the office and there would be all of these people that they think they liked and if they really liked them a lot or it was already cast their photo would be kind of like a mug shot so we watch tv now and there's all the, the perks pictures are on the wall the wall oh, and they got the little yeah, lines yeah. going off and, of them yeah yeah and then you'd go in you'd go in and you'd see a friend of yours face on the wall and you'd call him and go dude i think you got this because i saw your face on the wall so anyway you you would go in bruno I was so raw um, about where are the rules of, of being on set that I had no rules. Mm. And I was, I was, you know, headstrong and coming out of this actor, you know, I never even went to uh, actor studio, but I had this whole actor studio concept of, you know, this is my opinion and I'm going to talk, I'm going to share, I'm going to try to figure it all out. So I was told this later, I didn't know it at the time. So I would argue, I would argue with Bruno all the time and I would say this and I would say that and I would talk back and he and he always called me Jana. in italy most of my friends know me as Jana. when i uh, was working in belfast people started using my birth name Geretta, and then it stuck Geretta, Geretta. so that's how that happened but um in italy most people call me Jana. so anyway he'd be like Jana, you know which means shut up <laughs> <laughs> so told me later they go you know it's charming and it's cute what you and bruno are doing but you're really getting bad habits because that is actually not acceptable. Actors do not talk like that to directors, etc., etc. So Bruno and I always had this, the older uncle and his wayward niece relationship mm -hmm. and um, right, right up until the end. And um, we can talk about that later. Um, it, was, it was just, it was just always great. And in addition, I think I was so, um, I'm mouthy anyway, but uh, I think I was so off the, off the rails that because keep in mind well, I 
think I want to say Claudio spoke English, but I'm not sure. But um, to, no one on the set spoke English in any of the production mm -hmm. on the production. So Cindy Ledbetter, who doesn't act anymore, she's American. I'm American. Uh, Moon, that's the girl with the long, long hair on the back of the motor motorcycle. She's Russian, so you know she was speaking five languages. <laughs> the little, little girl that we're uh, protecting, she's French, and she speaks English. But none of them are their mother language, and no one could translate the script. I translated the entire script in my little hotel room with a with a traveler's pocket dictionary. So part <laughs> also part of that yelling back and forth is I couldn't understand what anybody was saying at all. They'd tell me to go left, I'd go right. They'd say stand up, I'd sit down. I mean, it was um, excruciating, but it was so fun. We were really those five, ten characters, because again, they cast by type. So Cindy really is a pretty blonde that had been a sex symbol a couple years before, and Ottaviano is the, the leader and the kick-ass guy, and he was watching out for all of us. And and the other the other guy with the leather jacket on, he you know he was more like a biker guy and came to work every day on his bike. I mean, and you know I was the black girl. I am the black girl. You know we really were the characters. The, the pretty Russian really is Russian, and the little girl was really about 17 or 18. So it, that's the way they do it, and you form these friendships, you form these bonds. I mean. You know, I don't call, call Ottaviano every week because I don't live in Italy anymore, but we talk, we still talk, all of us do. It, it's just magic. Magic. And you, you talked a little bit about uh, the relationship that you had with Bruno and the kind of uh, bickering that you guys would do, almost like a playful relationship. And yeah, you said that, that yeah. that's not necessarily the way that things were done. Um, but you've also worked with somebody that has kind of gained this reputation of being a very um, loud, Lucio. yes, Lucio, uh, loud and kind of uh, aggressive filmmaker. He's not loud. He's not loud. He, um, he's neither loud nor aggressive. He's something completely different. He would be, hmm, what's a good adjective? Uh, furious. Horibondo. <laughs> it's furious. And that Furious isn't loud. He isn't loud, but he would lose it. L you know, lose his cookies, lose his lunch, whatever is the phrase. I mean, he would lose it. Now, I never saw him actually foam at the mouth, but there are stories of him just having a, an apocalyptic fit and falling out on the ground and, and just go just going crazy. But um, when I worked with him on Murder Rock, which is kind of uh, a Jalo fame. If anybody knows that movie, fame. Yes, and it's it's stuff. amazing. I it's cool. yeah, I yeah, really I, it's really that one. yeah. It's a suspense Jalo um, with some horrific elements because of the way people are killed, but it's really good, and you have to guess who did it and blah blah blah. And um, I'm sort of doing Debbie Allen in it. Um, if Debbie Allen was in Italy, um, so. He, I was well warned. My agent uh, warned me and told me, you don't, what, dude, that funny noise is my dog hiccuping in his sleep. Honey, stop it. Okay. Um, I was like, what is that, my cell phone? So anyway, he, uh, my agent really warned all of us, about four of us were uh, from the same agency. And he said, you don't talk back. Yeah, you don't, this isn't Bruno. You don't say this, you don't say that. You show up, you know your lines, you hit your marks. Get home safe. <laughs> <laughs> Get home safe? <laughs> more, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've heard stories of him using, uh, like, just covering people in maggots on, like, you know, 
uh, City of the Living Dead. So I can only imagine that. Yeah, but if, if they did that, wasn't on that. If he did that, that was in the movie. Hey, Bruno covered us in dead rats. He sure you know, did. Those are those, those mice. They're they're not they weren't rats. They were lab mice, and they were they were dyed black. Uh, that's why they have red eyes because mice uh, black mice don't have red eyes. But anyway. Um, Bruno did that. He said, you know, talk, people talk about eco. Let's be eco. How eco is this? When when they threw the mice on us in one scene, well, some of them got their little necks cracked, didn't they? All of those guys went in the garbage bin and were recycled for the next couple of dates. Oh, my God. So you were so getting you get buckets of maggots, dead baby. mice just poured <laughs> on you? Yes. I don't mean buckets. It was a big old garbage can, and they were dead. And then some of them were in there, not dead, and making that little crybaby sound. Oh my oh. gosh, you can do that today. Oh Lots of stuff God. we could. I mean, he set actors on fire. You can't do that today. <laughs> Massimo Giovanni, that's the one that did all the stunts. He actually got burnt in one of the fire scenes. Yeah, yeah. They put a little of that uh, retardant on his jacket. Not enough. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so. Uh, How can you not love this stuff? Do you see what I mean? It's yeah. like, I mean, and no one now, like, you know, I, I do, I mean, if somebody was sexually abused or something like all the scandals that are coming out right now, yeah, we yeah. put that. But this stuff, it was the time, it was the moment, it was the place. I'm not going to go back and go, well, this is what happened to me at that time. You know, none of it was sexual, because I would report that. But, I mean, just the shenanigans, the low budget I mean, the, just the things. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. And, you know, uh, bouncing around just kind of with directors, I want to I learn a little bit about Lumberto, because he is... Wow. He is, you know, in my opinion, he's a, a royal in the sense that, you know, very much like Dario, Dario is, you know, a second generation, you know, mm -hmm. Asia is third generation, but Lamberto is second generation from one of the greatest uh, Italian filmmakers of all time, in my huh? personal opinion. And that's kind of his... I mean, he worked with his father, but this is really kind of his first real foray into directing and it being kind of his own thing. Mm -hmm. What was it like working on that set, working on Demons? Because, you know, uh, again, Demons is my first uh, interaction and knowledge of you as an actress. And really? it, it is one of my all-time favorite horror films, just bar okay. none. There, there's there's a lot that and people are always like, well, what is your favorite? Uh, this is definitely top ten, uh, yeah. and it's just it's one of those movies that it's so unique, and they they tried to capture that same element in Demons Two and uh, the Church or La Chesa, but yeah. um, it it there's just there's just this potent magic of this meta style of storytelling and you know everything kind of culminating with this big you know eruptive uh action no sequence no spoilers i haven't spoiled anything uh, <laughs> i said it with a big eruptive action sequence but okay. <laughs> you know it, it is it's you know it's an unrelenting terrifying kind of masterpiece that you don't expect what you're getting when you get it but once you're yeah. there, it's like, yeah, this makes yeah. absolute sense. 
So you know, for I'm this sure being, I know. <laughs> he he love he loves that people love the movie. He's a wonderful human being. Um, on the set, it was just like uh, so. I had to. I think I worked with Lucho the year before. Mm-hmm. Lucho's '84. Um, so on the set with Lucho, I had no problem with him. A, I take direction well. Tell me what you want me to do. I'll do it. So, but I was on the set when um, his his last name is Boremo or Boremio. He is the blonde fellow, the love interest. He had one question about a scene, and I did get to wit- witness uh, Lucho not be happy about it. But he went <laughs> full out, you know, crawling on the floor, biting ankles. But he he definitely told the guy to basically shut up and really berated him, and the kid got it and shut up. So I went from that to going on the set with Dario. Dario was there every day as the producer, and he and Lamberto and another fellow, whose name I always forget, I'm so sorry. And uh, he uh, and Lamberto and the other fellow all wrote the screenplay together, and the movie can't work without the props, so also Sergio was always there. So there were three people. Mm. You know, you, you see the pictures of these guys now, you know, I'm 20-something. They're probably in their mid-30s. Maybe Dario was 40. I don't know. Um, so we're not talking about, you know, a bunch of old guys. You know, we're talking about people pretty much in the, just about at the height of their career. Young, happening. It's all fun. It's Rome. It's a lovely lifestyle. And three or four best friends are making a movie. And they're all professionals. They've all been in the game. Like you said, they've grown up in the game. There's nobody, you know, working with anybody in the back room or anybody saying, hey, come here. Like, you know, do you want to be in another movie? Which did go on. You know, that I'm not going to say the movie industry is a lot, you know, is um, a candy box land, you know, a sugar land or something. It's not. But um, it's nothing like that. These are just grown adults, been here before, done it before, and let's just make a great movie. And we were... Fiore, probably, that's the blonde crawling mm. uh, behind the chairs. Fiore is probably, that's Dario's daughter also. Yes. Fiore is probably 13, maybe 14. Even if I went to blow it up a little and say she's 16. Maybe she's 16 playing 14. And I think um, Barbarini, the male lead, he might have been the oldest. So let's say he would have been 24. So we're kids. We're yeah. kids. With some slightly, I mean, I'm older than 30-something now, so we're kids that are working with kids that are a little bit older than us. We're all in a theater. We all stay there in the theater. We're all together all the time, and it's a movie. And by this time, we've all done a bunch of movies, and we do the movie, and Italians don't, you know, let's work till one in the morning. They're like, no, it's dinner at eight. You know, you live, it's a lifestyle. It isn't, if I don't make this movie, I'll never get another deal and my kids won't be able to go to college and there'll be one more setup one more setup it's not like that it's a job and it's the coolest job you can have and you finish at seven so you know we're all there everybody finishes i was on a tv show so i had to rush back down to naples every night but basically everybody else would be like where are we going to eat let's go hear some music let's go party let's go do this let's go do that that's what it was like it was like being oh i, I got this i go on and on it was like being the cool kids at the best high school that's what it was like and uh you know one of the things that happens with these films that kind of make these classic status is you're in one way or another kind of tied to certain members of the cast kind of for the rest of your life it's almost like a marriage or having a child with someone you know you guys come together you create something and then it's in the world and everything that it does comes back to you and the people that you were with 
kind of creating it. So, how is your relationship with Bobby? <laughs> I was wondering. That's so funny. I wonder why you would say Bobby. Um, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby lives in England now, but we all used to live. Well, he lives in England, and I think he's got a. Uh, uh, he's got another place in uh, the former Yugoslavia. I can't remember which one of the countries. But anyway, he primarily li- lives in England. I live in the United States. We do festivals and cons. Uh, for a long time, we had the same agent, so we would see each other about twice a year, maybe three times a year here in the United States whenever there was a festival. And But Bobby, I only met him on that movie. And Bobby's mm. Italian, remember, even though you all hear him in English. So yeah. it's just acting with another Italian fellow and um you know just like with everybody else the funny thing i i would take a note though when you said like every you know that what the movie does it comes back to you i would say basically um movie really only comes back i think for bobby and i Mm-hmm. And I kind of, this is so silly because my mind's going blank, but the, she's so well known. I can't think of her name right now. But the actress with the long, long red hair and the lime green dress. Yes. That, play, that plays the usher. She tends to do um, quite a few events, but the rest of them really don't. The rest of them really don't. I, um, Natasha, the female lead, you wouldn't know it, but the year before she had the largest, and it still may be the largest financial blockbuster of all Italian films of all time. It's called Water and Soap. She had a huge hit. You don't even know how big that film is, and she'll she'll go down in Italian history forever for this wonderful, sweet coming of age movie she did with Carlo Verdone, who's a really big comedian, and people still talk about that movie to this day. And everyone, Barbarini really is of the royal and church, you know, Vatican family, the Barbarini. If you ever go to Italy, there's Piazza Barbarini all over the town. Carl Zini, his aunt, that's a dark-haired lead. Mm-hmm. He, um, he does a little work now and then, but he and the punk girl in the car got married, and they're still, right after the movie. Really? They met, set, and fell in love, and they're still married with uh, children. Um, everyone else in the movie before the movie, all of those people are super famous. One of them is the son of the guy that's, uh, that uh, sang Volare, which is, you know, that's one of those songs that will never go away. All of those people are famous. So nobody really has to be, and it would be the same as me for other movies, Demons mm. is a film they did. And in Italy, horror... Horror is horror. The mystique of the directors of horror is more the big thing than per se the film. So yeah, Dario and Lamberto there and everyone else that does horror, they're all names, but the films themselves at times attach themselves per se to the film. They attach themselves to the auteur, the creator of the film. And that would be, for those people, yes, these movies will always come back. For the actors, eh, eh, yes, no, eh, maybe. And see, I, I feel that it's different in America because you know, the, when a when a film goer looks at a film, a lot of the times they're looking at just kind of the surface of it. They're looking at the performances, the characters, and they don't even take into consideration the, the people behind the scenes. Uh, I'd say that that kind of became more of a thing in the 80s. And it, it, it was there in the 70s, but it, it really became a thing in the 80s and kind of has grown from that point in the sense that you get, you get the guys like a Carpenter or a Romero or uh, Craven, 
you know, mm-hmm. where, where yeah. they're synonymous with the work. But before that, it wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, you, you have exceptions to that rule, like a Hitchcock or Hawks or, you know, something to that effect. But it's always kind of primarily been the performer. And, you know, um, <laughs> when I when I was young and I watched this film, uh, I, I just, I fell in love with uh, your character, Bobby's character, and uh, I just, there was this weird attachment that I had had with that story, more so than the rest yeah. of the stories, and uh, I had given Bobby's character the nickname of Snowball, and I actually <laughs> named uh, my, my cat Snowball after... Uh, Bobby, so... Oh, uh, let it go. I'm, I'm sure he'll be very excited by that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll love that. <laughs> you call it me a pussy? Yeah. <laughs> Smash well, everything! I think those, the movie was never intended for the the age that most Americans saw it, which was 8, 9, 10, or 12 years old. I mean, it's an adult movie. It mm-hmm. was not for anybody 17. But for some strange reason, and I guess it was because it was VHS and what have you, yeah, everybody kind of saw it extremely young. And I think probably also in addition, that was probably about the beginning of the sort of the falling apart of America being so, so religious um, orientated. So I think if you were very young, or nine, and maybe you weren't, you didn't have a big some form of religious background going on. The speeches in the beginning in the cemetery, they don't make any sense to you. You've probably never heard of um, Amadeus at that, not Amadeus. <laughs> You've never heard of uh, the, the Nostradamus. The well, and so by the time you get to Bobby and Rosemary, they have on bright clothes, they have big eyes. Um, they're probably a little bit more like cartoon characters, if you imagine you were eight, nine, or ten. And I think, I think we do a great job also acting, but I think that's also part of it. Because I have people come up to me all the time. They go, I saw you when I was nine, you know, a guy, especially if it's a guy. I saw you when I was nine, and it's disturbing because you kill people, but I thought you were hot. You know, so I think I think for a lot of people also, it's a little bit their first crush in a mm-hmm. weird way. But I'm a monster, but it's a crush. And then Bobby, I mean, not that I'm, you know, these movies were all made at, at, at a different time of sensitivity. So I'm not advocating that being a pimp is a good thing but his role because everyone else in the movie is a young boy so mm-hmm. he is the, the male figure the i will get you out of here the the hero to a certain extent and i think a lot of people all you know boys and girls um, um react to that and for girls and there there are these women's studies and i'm so happy to be part of it that talk about my my character and talk about the roles that i did that um you know i don't break an ankle and nobody's saving me yeah, and you watch the movie very carefully. I'm in the whole movie, and I was written into Demons 2, and I just wasn't available for the filming. So it's not by accident. It's not like, well, those two certainly are doing this character that's suddenly taking over the movie. It was written that way, and it took them a year to write. To, to They wrote the script. They knew the story. They knew the mm-hmm. beginning to the end. But it took them a year to determine what were the rules of the demons, who could come back, who could not come back, why did they come back, why does the earth open for one day, why would it open in a cinema instead of maybe... A factory. I mean, this stuff is methodically, scientifically, and religiously, you know, not in a sense like they're pro this or that. They were just, you know, taking the information to make it all knit together. Mm. So it can um, it can affect people on, on many levels. Like for me, with my background, like all the religious stuff, I know what a demon is. People go, oh, I love you as a zombie. I love the compliment, but I'm not a zombie. 
A zombie yeah. is walking dead. If for some reason it can get up and walk. A demon, as Bobby says, is an instrument of evil. And I'm working for the devil. It's like there's so many levels. It's like it said in the damn movie. You heard him. <laughs> so basically that's that one. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I hope, um, I hope all your uh, podcasters will check out some of the other stuff that I did. And as you mentioned, I have a sci-fi career. I have a horror career. I did... Um, some, I, I did a bunch of post-apocalyptic. There's this new book that came out. I think it's called The Wild Wild World. Let me see. Here it comes. That's my voice far away. That's my voice coming back. Uh, World Gone Wild, um, a survivor's guide to post-apocalyptic movies. This fellow, his name is David J. Moore. He wrote it, or he put it together. And it's something like 500 or 900 movies post-apocalyptic and he saw each and every one and in there there's movies I forgot I did so for all of you who want to get a idea of a different kind of stuff or how people go and do movies in other countries watch more of these and most of the blu-rays and dvds now also have the comments and i always find out that people don't go and watch those a lot of us actually get called in years later to do the scene by scene commentary and there's lots of good tidbits in there so i hope i shared some good info you okay Chuck yeah Ray? no this was super informative and insightful i'm i'm really glad that i was able to have you on and uh thank you you know i i want to kind of at this point uh give the floor to you to let you tell people where they can find you on social media and events that you have coming up. Oh, you're too fantastic. Well, I'm on my way right now, probably like in a few hours, to um, the London Comic-Con in London, Ontario, Canada. And I'm very honored to be on the bill with Mr. Shatner himself. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And um, I've been touring all this year here at quite a few places. I run a nonprofit for writers, primarily looking for uh, women and girl writers, and we have a special award for horror that the New Orleans Horror Film Festival will be giving the award in 2018. So please drop by, drop your script in when you can, and it's called The, the Right Room. Yeah, therightroom.org, and that's right like W R I T E, www.therightroom.org room.org and uh, we have a, a nice money prize and other prizes and it's my fifth year I'm the creative director of the program and I just need more horror I would love more horror also um, I'm one of the judges on the 15 second um, film horror challenge I hope I got their title right but try to google that that's a great program any filmmakers out there if you can scare the pants off of us in 15 seconds you're doing something right so Look me up on Facebook, Jeretta, Rosemary Jeretta, and just about everywhere else, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. <laughs> it's Jeretta, Jeretta, G-E-R-E-T-T-A, G-E-R-E-T-T-A. So okay. nice, you got to say it twice. You heard it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is going to do it for us. I, I really appreciate you uh, being as giving of your time as you were. Um, if you guys are here just for Jaretta, which I do not blame you, but you've enjoyed the conversation and want to find out more, you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can start by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash creature pod, following us on Twitter and Instagram at creature pod. Uh, I want to hey, thank Eric. you again. What's up? 
Can I send out a um, a, uh, a salute to my your Italian fans? So be sure that they follow also. Please. Ciao a tutti. È stato un grande piacere parlare con voi. Passare un'altra volta questo podcast con Chucky Larry. Ciao. Amazing. So that's gonna do it for us for Diretta Diretta and for myself. Again, my name is Chunky. This has been just a fun-ass episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. Listen with someone you trust. You heard it here. Nice.